There's nobody that is actively involved that like goes to shows that fucking thinks that way. Mm-hmm. And if you do, shut up. You're a dork. <laughs> Thank you so much everyone for tuning in this is another episode of the scoped exposure podcast see i told you that this <laughs> right away open. Instantly. The podcast. um but uh yeah scoped exposure podcast uh very excited to be welcoming on um someone in arguably one of the most hyped straight edge bands of 2022 oh. um someone that i had the pleasure of meeting uh just a few months ago and we talked about doing this podcast and super stoked that we're finally here making it happen uh please welcome dave of weapon x on the fucking show thanks for joining me my friend hello thank you for having me i'm excited <laughs> Yes, likewise. Um, so, like I alluded in uh, the intro, uh, Weapon X came up. It came up to play Calgary. Um, kind of had your Canadian debut, Western Canada debut, and uh, for a band that has, I guess that was your second show ever. <laughs> yeah, that's which number is two. <laughs> pretty wild. Um, you know, it's definitely pretty stupid. <laughs> stupid in the best way possible. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not bummed about it at all. It's awesome. But yeah, yeah um yeah so there's definitely some talking points there um also just weapon x being just a a very unique project um you know i it would be very easy for me to um to talk with isaac or brian about it but i feel like because they play in so many other bands you're kind of um the the ideal candidate to talk all things weapon x um so before we get into the actual music discussions dave as you know we got to check some bevs before we get on the show love a good bev Tell me what you got, because I, if you remember in the DMs, I said, if you're not bringing a certain beverage, I'll pro- this might be a shorter episode than, than So most. I don't, I hate to disappoint you. Oh, because no. I know, I know. I know. So here, here's the thing. I, I wake up at like eight, nine o'clock every morning mm. and I generally like to have my coffee pretty early. Yeah. So I already had coffee and I was, I actually did think about that before. And I was like, I was like, damn, do I want to like put that off and get a dirty chai and bring it to the show? But I was like, no, I, I, I fucking need some coffee right now. So right. I did not bring a dirty chai. Um, well, let me just, and I'm just kidding. Yeah. You can just, yeah, just shut the, shut, just shut it down right now. <laughs> Thanks Fuck for it. tuning in. No, no, no uh, I would, I would do that to you, my friend. Uh, but so, I, I, I just, I thought it was so funny because it's like I have flown the dirty chai flag on this podcast and in just life in general um, for it's it's such a weird thing to sorry. We're just going to do a little bit of a dirty chai tangent. uh, The very first time I came to Calgary before I moved here, I went to like a local coffee shop now, uh, which is called Analog uh, on 17th Ave. And I was like, I'm on this like vacation with this band um, playing this festival. And I wanted to like get something a little, you know, unique. And the barista oh, yeah. made me a dirty chai, and my life was nev- never the same. Yeah. So it's, it's always the g- secondary bev on top of just regular black coffee. And the oh, fact yeah. that you seem to fuck with that as much as I do makes me happy. So I have three coffee drinks that I go for. We'll we'll finish this tangent soon. Yes, I promise. please. 
uh, black. This coffee. could be half the episode. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, honestly, I'll talk about Bev's the whole goddamn time. <laughs> um, so for me, it's black coffee, mm-hmm. um, a corta- uh, cortado with oat milk, and a dirty chai with oat milk. Those are okay. like pretty much the only coffee drinks that you'll ever see me ordering. Um, mm-hmm. it depend, and it's it's kind of dependent on where I go. I won't just drink black coffee from anywhere. It's sort of like it has to be like you know, it's going to sound so fucking snobby here, but it has to be beans that I know, you know, otherwise <laughs> beans that I know, beans right. that I know. otherwise it's going to be a cortado or, or a dirty chai. Cause I can yeah. always count on those being good. Right. So, so, so here's the ultimate question. And I think Kentucky and, you know, Western Canada are s- kind of similar in the sense that you guys actually have winter and, and, mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah. Four full seasons. Um, iced or iced or hot, dirty chai gun to your uh, head. So you can only choose one if i can only choose one like for the rest of my life mm-hmm. it's probably going to be iced but uh i i'm not like a purist about like oh iced coffee or hot coffee like if it's yeah. cold i'm drinking hot coffee if it's hot i'm drinking iced iced drinks except yes. for i mean a cortado obviously but but yeah that's i kind of roll with the with the season so yeah i I think under my head, I would also choose iced. And the only it's reason so refreshing. it's, it's very refreshing. And I think, I think the magic of a dirty chai, I love that we're talking so much yeah, about this. It's great. Um, this is phenomenal. The magic of it for me is that it's, it's a drink. It's a coffee drink that actually requires effort because you can't yeah. get a good dirty chai anywhere. You could get yeah. all right coffee anywhere, but yeah. like some places just have too much like spices in the mix yep. of it. it 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 is a delicate balance but once you land it perfect oh it's it's incredible also yeah. like i have like kind of a preference um i don't really like when places use chai syrup i prefer powdered chai for like a dirty chai i think it yeah. tastes way better i think mm-hmm. uh because like uh, syrups in general i'm not big on because they're i mean they're too sweet they're too mm-hmm. thick they add like a again gonna sound like a fucking snob here but they add like this texture to the drink that i really don't like at all mm-hmm. um so yeah that's kind of my take on i i would probably agree with you i think the uh there's there's two kinds of people in this world there's people that just get like the obscene amounts of syrup pumps at, yeah. at starbucks Mm-mm. and then there's, i don't want that and there's everyone else <laughs> i want it to be like like you know with a dirty chai like it's gonna be a little bit sweet in mm-hmm. general just by nature of it, but I don't want it to be sick. You know, I don't want it to be that Starbucks eight pumps of whatever. Like I want it to be a little sweet. The main thing I want it to be kind of spicy. I want it yes. to, you know, it's a delicate think- balance. You need exactly. both. Yeah. You need both. <laughs> um, so, you know, now that we've like stretched out the dirty tight section <laughs> and I've forgiven you for, for lacking, I'm sure Very that gracious. you're going to be bringing some good bevs to the show. So how about you show those off for me? I've got a good bev. So, okay. so, I brought my second favorite soda. It is uh, the Virgil's uh, Bavarian Nutmeg Special Edition Root Beer. Oh, um, a little seasonal. It's, it's fucking incredible. Like it's real smooth. Got this like super good vanilla aftertaste. And my roommate was out with his girlfriend, and he was kind enough to bring me a bottle of it because you can't really you can find Virgil's in a lot of places, but you can't find that specific Virgil's root beer in Mm. a lot of places so and I'm not sure where they found it I think it might have been world market but every time I see it I usually try to grab a bottle or two right so yeah that's that's what I'm sipping on today like is that like that looks like a 
is that a liter or am I? Um, this is it's a pint. Oh, it's a pint. It's so, a pint yeah. worth. Okay. Yeah. I now I won't lie to you. It is not freshly opened. I had a little bit last night, but I mean, there's still a good a good amount in here, so I'll be yeah. sitting throughout throughout the episode. Just a little midnight root beer swig, you know, before bed. <laughs> it's Friday night, baby. You gotta treat yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I'm giving you such a hard time about not bringing a dirty chai, and I didn't even bring one for the show. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> it, maybe it just means that we need to do a, a second episode that's only talking about dirty chai, but I, at listen, least for I, this one. It's just all uh, this morning's coffee in the Kinto okay. mug, uh, keeping it hot. Um, I I am in need of a proper Bev run. Um, I was actually sending out a couple emails for, for beverage sponsors for this season, um, just because we've been a little behind the ball on everything. Uh, but I've been like so eager just to get back at it because like, the, doing this podcast is like a therapeutic thing for me to be able to talk with people about hardcore um, <coughs> yeah, from all sick. over the world. And uh, yeah, Jordan, I caught you coughing off of the <laughs> mute. That's a scoped exposure podcast first. Oh. That's we got we got a uh, yeah yeah some some inside insider baseball there. <laughs> it's it's so funny because Jordan, producer of the show, is always on mute, always on these calls. And uh, that was the first time ever that we got a little. Uh, I feel lucky. A little hacking, but uh, I'm taking I'm taking that as a sign of you know a good omen. Yeah, I I agree. If uh, <laughs> if Jordan coughs, it's almost a blessing. Um, <laughs> I'll just uh, fix it in post. It's fine. No, no, no we're keeping <laughs> it. We're keeping it in. Um, Dave, really excited to do this podcast with you, my friend. Cheers to you. Cheers. Absolutely. Oh, here, hold on. Let me fucking. No, it's all good. I. There was one episode I did recently where I cheers the guests and they didn't cheers me back. And I felt a little. Oh, that's. Yeah, that would sting by... a little. I'd be a little <laughs> bummed out if I was, you know, if I if I went to cheers somebody and they didn't cheers. It's it's the same as like when you hold your hand out for somebody to dap you up or or whatever. And they just either don't see it or they ignore it. That oh, stings. yeah. Yeah. You left me hanging on my yeah. own podcast of all things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, Dave, this this chat is already off a really really great start um any new guests that i have here on the show um i always like to get a little bit of context about how they got into hardcore heavy music however you want to spin it so take me back way back in time to uh when you were first getting into this shit and what kind of put you on the path initially okay so um i'll start from like so a lot of people get into music through their parents and that wasn't quite the case for me um although i have come back around as i've gotten older on a lot of the stuff that I grew up hearing um, mm-hmm. and listening to, but I very specifically remember I w- my stepdad was working and he used to work for like a dental supply company. So I'm in the van with him while he's working, just chilling out, hanging out for a day. And I hear Rage Against the Machine on the radio. And like at that point, music, I wasn't super into music in general, just because I was a kid. I was probably 13 14 mm-hmm. and had no clue what i liked so i heard that loved it went home because i knew my mom had a huge cd collection i was like hey i heard this on the radio do you know what this is have you heard of it and she was like oh yeah give me a second she goes to her cd collection hands me the self-titled uh the rage against the machine self-titled i beat the shit out of that cd um <laughs> i fucking walloped that cd and from that point standard rocker shit where i was just like okay i just i want guitar music Mm. don't care what kind don't care uh what it is i just want guitar music so i you know 
new metal um and then slowly found you know slowly started listening to metal i bought i remember i specifically rode my bike to the mall to fye so i could buy uh master of puppets and you know i was just kind of ripping through any guitar music that i could get my hands on at that point and um started started slowly finding like death metal stuff and then right around the time that that started happening i had friends that were going to metalcore shows Mm. and um so i started getting taken to those um like the first show i ever went to was like poison the well nora every time i die um i think the bronx oh and cool show insane Mm -hmm. show like looking back and um, from there it was just all uphill downhill however you want to however you want to frame that but um and then eventually you know because uh back then i feel like a lot of i don't know metalcore bands were also touring with hardcore bands and that's kind of how i worked my way around into getting into hardcore right so who were who were the people who were actually taking you to these shows because it sounds like you know you riding your bike to pick up uh master of puppets like there's a lot of um I need to do this. So I'm going to do that. But like, who were the people who were like, I have a driver's license. So I'll drive you to the show. Yep. So, so there, there's a kind of a, a core group of people on a few different sides of it. So my friend, Sean, um, who I went to high school with, um, he was, he was the one that I went to that first show with. He was the one that took me there. And then um, funnily enough, a guy that both Tyler Short and I knew when we were both in high school, because I've known him for a pretty long time. Mm. I think he's been on here too, hasn't he? Yes. Tyler's been on um just once. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm think I'm yeah, just once. Uh so, I definitely want to have him back, but yeah, he's been on the show before. So shout there was Tyler. a guy that we yeah, shout out Tyler. Uh there was a guy that we both knew uh named Dylan. Um and Dylan like had a driver's license and a van. So he, they would always like come pick me up. Uh, I went to go, I, they took me to Indianapolis to see Righteous Jams, you know, like relatively mm-hmm. early on. Like, so that was kind of the two sides of it. Like Sean, I would go to like metalcore shows and stuff with, and then like kind of the more like local hardcore band oriented stuff I would go to with Tyler and Dylan and that whole crowd of people. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like was the um I guess like the the person that uh that you were going to high school with, like were you just wearing the t shirts that he was like, Oh, this kid's like a couple bands away from like, you know, being into hardcore, let me take an interest in it. Is that how I'm that trying, kind of I'm trying to remember how he and I met. Um God, it's I mean, I'm old, so mm-hmm. uh but I think it was a, like, it was a matter of he started finding it first, but we were already friends at that point. Sure. So, and like, you know, we, we, we listened to, again, standard rocker shit. We, we liked Blink-182 and we liked just kind of the, you know, the, the easy like surface level stuff that any, any alt kid, you know, kind of was into. Mm-hmm. And then he started funneling me, um, you know, he gave me Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child. He gave me, um what is it hot damn the the every time i die record he you know he was kind of letting me borrow these cds mm-hmm. and um that was kind of what started pulling me into you know pulling me in deeper into the the heavier the heavier side of things yeah and yeah. um i think it's uh it's always something that you know later in life now like i, I i'm you're 34 at the time of yep. recording this episode and i'm 
going to be turning 30 uh, just in a few months. So I'm like four years younger than you. But it's always crazier now where I'll just be out running errands. Maybe I'm out with the dogs, out with my wife, and I'll see someone with a T-shirt. And even if it's like every time I die, sick of it all, like something that's like we're only a few branches away from each other. Yeah. Um, versus like, you know, and, and that's just one connection point. But that's something that I always try to remind myself of, like, you know, when there's younger people who are wearing who are at shows or kind of doing that, you never know, like, having a brief interaction with them just being like, hey, what like, difference that can make. Yeah, like, nice shirt. And that's all you need to, like, open up the, you know, break the ice, so to speak. Yeah. And I think um, this is a conversation that I've kind of had a lot recently. I don't really care. There's been a lot of discourse about this recently. Um, and we don't have to dive into it too deep if we don't want to. But mm. I don't really care about gatekeeping because I think anybody who doesn't actually want to be there or isn't there for the right reasons or you know whatever else you want to frame it as, those people are always going to end up for the most part, weeding themselves out eventually mm -hmm. anyways. And I would rather, um, I would rather try to welcome younger people into this because, you know, if younger people aren't getting involved, they're not starting bands, they're not going to shows and, and supporting other bands. They're not, you know, if, if they're, if they're made to feel like, you know, they're not welcome or, uh, that people don't fucking like them just because, Hey, you're young and you're new how does this keep going? How right. do we, how do we keep, how do we keep this up? We don't. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so I think, um, I think what you were just saying before is, you know, just, Hey, nice shirt or Hey, you know, whatever. I think that shit's kind of important. And, um, I think it's, I think people need to kind of keep that in mind. Yeah. And, and I've talked about it on the podcast all like many, many a times where it's like, to you and I who have been going to shows for well over 10 years, to us, it's just like a Tuesday or another Friday or it's just yeah. another show. But for that person, having anyone of any, like whether they're in a band or not, like have a interaction with them could be the thing that makes them keep coming back. Yep. And then you fast forward five years and maybe they're fronting the next big band that's on tour, opening up yep. the knock loose or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's fucking sick. That, yeah. I want to see that shit. Like, and again, you know, obviously I think, I think there are, you know, I don't know. Uh, I feel corny saying this. There are people, social climbers or people who are, you know, again, here for the wrong reasons. And I, like I said, I think for the most part, those people end up falling out of falling out of it uh, eventually anyway. So I, yeah. I don't, I don't feel the need to, to try to hasten that or um, keep that going. They'll work themselves out. I would rather just work on, keeping things cool and friendly and welcoming um in you know the places in the spaces that i am in so yeah. i i'm a firm believer in life and in hardcore as well that like you get what you like put into something and yep. you know like i i totally agree and i've you know the, gatekeeping is such a, a broad topic um i think that there is a quote-unquote time and place and I get why people do it. It's like hardcore sure. is so important to so many people on like individual levels, on like societal levels, on community levels. Oh yeah. Um, and I get why people want to say that's not what we stand for. And you yeah. know, like I'm open to having a discussion about like, sure. you know, and as someone that cr like 
creates content like that in and out of itself has different uh people that have different opinions about it um and i think being a uh established adult in this whole thing is like being able to to talk about like oh what does it mean to um you know for people who like document uh, as far as like making money off of other people's art there's a discussion there it doesn't need to sure. necessarily be black and white i think there sure i think a lot of things in life there's um there's gray Sh- to be yep, shades of gray there's nuance there's i mean the the thing is context is always important mm-hmm. i think um and sometimes it's easy to to let that to let that idea slip. Sometimes it's easy to forget that. But context is always in ev- almost every situation. There's 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 a few things that I would say that I'm pretty black and white on. But yeah. um, context which, is which which I think you should be in. Of course, in yeah. There's there's yeah. some there's some things that don't require any any nuance or context, and and you know those are pretty all pretty obvious, but. For the most part, I think in like 95% of situations, conversations, whatever, you have to keep the context of what's happening in mind. Mm-hmm. And going to your point about um, how you can understand, you know, why some people would want to gatekeep or why um, there's something that I read last year or the year before, and it's really kind of been stuck in in the folds of my brain since I read it. But um, it was hardcore is for anyone but not for everyone. And I, I, for whatever reason that really like lodged itself in my brain. And I think, um, I think that's a pretty important distinction to make. I think, I think anyone could and should be welcome. However, I don't necessarily think it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, I really, when I read that, I was like, damn, like, I really like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, um, using a Louisville example, like Knock Loose is a hardcore band, but they have um, been able to go out and, and play to non-hardcore uh, exclusive yeah. crowds. And I think that's great. Um, does that bring more people to going to local shows? And is there a percentage where those people are going to stick around and some people are going to bounce and like just only go to those big arena shows? Yeah, probably. Sure, yeah. Um, but I do, I do agree that like if it's welcoming with open arms, Yes, there's going to be people that are like, maybe musically, this isn't for me. Maybe it's like, I don't, um, you know, the the aspect of the violence is like, maybe mm-hmm. too much. Um, but like, again, that is a um, an enticing uh, aspect for people where they see the yeah. live videos, and they're like, holy crap, like, that looks it, insane. There's oh, I'm always at, because scoped is like filming more bands like, uh, of multiple genres. Now, it's always like a cool, um, uh, extra challenge for me because I'm just so used to just following people stage diving and, you know, yeah. uh, piling up, but it's like, that's the energy of the shows that I know naturally do well, because that's what I like. I grew up watching turnstile. This is hardcore 2000, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and seeing the power trip sets. And so uh, those, that, those sets are legendary. Just as an aside, those power trip sets are unreal. I think my favorite one is where, um, Riley, uh, rest in power, where he says, I'm pretty sure y'all are wondering why I'm dressed up as a zookeeper right now. And then Sonny just naturally just tears down. (laughs) That it's one of the coolest opening of openings of a set I've ever like there. I have, there's only one thing that I can think of that I think like does it for me a little bit more. And it's blacklisted at, at sound and fury 2008 or 2009 
when they open up with uh, the Nancy Sinatra sample and then instantly play into fucking eye for an eye. But yeah, that that power trip set opening is is just it's flaw. I mean, what can you say? It's flawless. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's perfect. Riley was clearly born to front that band and like just take it to the moon. And uh, yeah, he 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 is gone too too soon as far yeah. as how that band could, it's like the trajectory that they were headed. Oh, um, I mean, it was it, they were already in atmosphere. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. were they were just it, next next level shit. Yeah, and and I, I I didn't I didn't know the guy at all, but. By all accounts, the craziest part is, you know, even with all that momentum and all that trajectory that they had, from from every account that I've ever seen or read, they were the most, you know, humble, like nice dudes, and he was the night, you know, nicest, most humble guy on the planet. And I think that I think that's cool as shit. And also, you know, it's important to keep that perspective in mind. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, you know, I think nobody nobody here is a celebrity and i think acting like one is whack and i like i like when i hear that um people don't fucking act like that even if they're maybe in a position where they could you know mm, totally yeah and, and and maybe we could use that as like a way to kind of circle back because we could you know we went on a dirty chai uh oh yeah we, and we definitely I feel like we're gonna hit a lot of tan- yeah i feel like we're gonna hit a lot of tangents here um, but like, as far as like going back to gatekeeping, like I think something that was so wow to me, like as I was getting more into like this specific scene, is just like, yeah, you're totally right. Like, um, no, like m- most hardcore shows, there's not like a green room or like you know bands kind of like, oh, this is where we hang out. Um, and and if I've said it before, and I'll say it like until the day I die, I like something that um attracted me to hardcore was oh like i always felt like an outcast in high school and you know there was clicks and just like different things like that and it always irks me when i feel like things are just a little too high school um whether it's like different things with a local scene or just like hardcore like the general hardcore scene uh Mm -hmm. in general so I can't control everything and that's something I've had to accept. And, and, uh, all I can really control is, is my input and what I do in the world, um, of of this space. And that's anything through this podcast. And that's like the interactions on -on one-on-one. And I think that anyone that gets in quick and wants to, you know, social ladder climb up the, there is a way to do that, but you will fall as quickly as you rise. And, yep. you know, like, that's why I'm, I'm happy knowing that like scoped has been more of a grind uh, and been being able to build this bat signal, so to speak. Um, but versus like trying to just try like, to, like a, just jumping jump on, from, you know, <laughs> jump from uh hot vocalist to the next, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, and you know, again, it's one of the, like I said before, n- nobody, nobody here is a celebrity and nobody here should be acting like a celebrity, you know, mm-hmm. um, none of us are, I don't know, cooler than the other. And I, that, I feel like that might be, people might think that that's weird to say, but, um, we're all just people who go to shows and who like going to shows right. and you got to keep that perspective in mind. I think you also learn the more shows you go to, like the, the different levels of like, social interaction and like giving people grace with uh you know who who maybe have more social anxiety than the other and i'm, I'm yeah. thinking of this as you're saying it because 
I was standing um, just on the side of the stage for a while. There was when Inclination was playing, and you were off to the side, and there was a uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Bri- uh, Brian from Knock Loose, in between us, and there was someone who was like persistently trying to get his attention. Yeah, and this was I someone who very like, much remember that. This is again. This is you know. I don't know who this person is. Uh, yeah, probably not listening to this podcast. Um, but the thing is. I, I remember being that 16 or 17 year old kid yep. who's like idolizing, you know, uh, like Jeremy of a day to remember or like those kind of things. But yeah. the, the thing is, I think the more like hardcore related things that's like, oh, yeah, now I'm just like, you know, I'm acquaintances with these people. None of these people owe me anything. And no. the day that they're maybe on tour, maybe they're just having a shit day and they just don't want to talk to anybody, nor sure, do they yeah. have anything. So. Yeah, I've really tried to put up a thing where that's why I've really loved doing this podcast because it's all one on one. And it's like, yep. you know, the person is there for the interview and, and you get and to kind of crack into it a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes at a fest, it's like kind of speed dating as far as you're bouncing around <laughs> from different people. Um, so it, it's funny, it's like every almost is. every year that LDVs happen and, you know, prior to when it was like Midwest Blood and everything, um, I like Alex and Ryan are um they're my old roommates. They're really good friends of mine. And so I've friend of the pod as well. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan's fucking awesome. Uh, also shout out gates to hell. They are absolutely Louisville's best band. And I feel like that's saying a lot because not to be big headed or anything, but Louisville has a lot of really good bands right now, Mm -hmm. but gates to hell is the fucking one. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't listened to them, which is insane to me, (laughs) do that. Um, ASAP. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always end up working the fest just because, you know, they're my friends, like it, you know, and I'm, I'm available. I'm generally available. And almost every year I end up having at least a couple of conversations with people where they're like, yeah, like, I wish we could have gotten to hang more. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I just busy as hell, you know, like doing, mm. doing stuff. So it, it's funny how that works out. It's, it's been interesting. Um, especially this fall time, there's been a lot of fests that I have either been, filming or playing um but wild rose this year was the first festival that i have just attended in probably like at least five years how did that feel was Amazing. it weird or did you, i was gonna say did you were you just like chilling and like having a good time or were you well like yeah because in years past i would be like filming i would make sure cameras were charging and like you know like it's just way different when i'm like there to work or if I'm there to quote unquote play a set, playing yeah. a set is a nice balance because you get a little bit of involvement. Yep. And you get to you just still like get to hang out and max enjoy. And relax. Yes, yeah. totally. Um, and and so I've had to really like rethink my own sanity at times where it's like, um, Wild Rose, again, like I, I was able to scratch the itch, thankfully. And like uh shout out to Sonny from Hate Five Six. Uh he and I kind of uh collaborated and uh i helped him film two of the last sets from the calgary so zulu and and knock loose zulu and knock um, yeah so again it was like i could scratch the itch of like filming a show which is like so it is weird sometimes going to a show and not doing that because it's like that's just you're just so you're just so used to it at this point you mm-hmm. you know so used to doing that work and then mm-hmm. yeah but for like the 80% of the day I could just like oh I'm going to go talk to this person or I'm going to yeah. go outside and get some air or I'm going to get food when it's like yeah. filming it's like I am and you there also, and just pounding back 
like protein bars in, yeah, in yeah. prep for the next band. And you also get to you also get to you know like I can go mosh to this band if I want to, or totally. I can you know what I mean? Like I I don't have to ration my time out. I can just do whatever the fuck I want here. Right. So it's very stark difference to the weekend after when we had Scope Five Year Fest, where I was yep. playing two sets, filming the bands, and running a festival. That was the most stressed I've ever been in my life. That sounds like <laughs> props to you because I'm not gonna lie, that sounds like a fucking nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> never, never, so never stressful. doing that again. Making sure that <laughs> there's more help in involved. Um, you know, Jordan, who's uh, on the call, um, he unfortunately uh, got uh, the Rona just before the fest, so it was oh, like even dude. more stressful. Um, yep. But all things considered, I. And and this is like some self narration, so I apologize if I'm going no, a little go bit ahead. on tangent. I think I am trying to be a little bit more aware of like, do I Spencer need to be on stage filming? To a degree, yes, because I feel like it's important. Like it would be weird for someone to be filming for Sunday of Hey Five Six, um, and it wasn't him. If if sure. you know what I mean, yeah, no, but yeah, like, absolutely. If and I know Sonny would never do this because he's a one-off yeah. like for life. But if he had someone editing his stuff and posting it, no one really sees him doing that. So it's something he yeah. could outsource if he wanted to. So that's yeah. something I'm trying to think a little bit more and also like balance like, okay, this fest I'm going to just play and hang out and chill. And it's going to be documented by someone that I, you know, that can handle it. And yeah. then also knowing when, and when, when it's just a scope related thing. It's a little he, heavy when it's both. He and I had a conversation in Edmonton because um, it was, I think it was right before, in, I think it was when Inclination was setting up. Mm. I ended up walking over to him because we had met at LDB and I was just like, hey man, like how, because I got into hardcore through Rage Against the Machine. Sonny, I mean, he is the Rage Against the Machine guy. Right. And I asked him, you know, how, how filming those shows was and how going to those shows uh, that they played were. And we had a whole big conversation. And a big part of that was about um, how somebody like Sonny, who has been filming and documenting hardcore shows for a very, very, very long time now, is the kind of person that you should have filming something like rage against the machine because i feel like i feel like and i don't mean this as a knock against anybody who works i don't know in that industry who does that you know professionally even though i would say sunny does that professionally too oh Um, yes (laughs) yeah yeah but i feel like having a normal guy who just films concerts versus sunny who who documents hardcore shows and who knows how to capture that energy and how to capture um all of that feeling is there, there's a, there's a key difference there. And I think, yes. um, I think, you know, I think there's probably a shitload of people who have watched, who have grown up watching Hey five, six, and that's how they got it. That's why they decided to get involved because they, you know, or at the very it, least check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's, and you know, it's the same with scopes. Like it, you know, because you are not just Joe blow dickhead off the street filming, <laughs> filming concert. You are somebody who has gone to shows for a while and who kind of knows, the score so to speak um that's i think that's important i think having i think um if you're gonna film and if you're gonna document having somebody like you guys who is able to show exact kind of you know at least as much as you can through a screen what that experience is like Mm -hmm. is you know good so yeah i mean going to your point about outsourcing and everything i think um I think it's important too you know what i mean for people who are doing that kind of thing to be the ones that are kind of driving that and doing the 
um, I don't know how to phrase this. I don't know that work itself. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because like in the midst of like doing this interview, like at the time when it comes out, maybe the, the project is already announced, but I'm doing a new project. I'll, I'll just say, I'll tell you on the podcast. So um, hey. I'm, doing, I'm doing a new project um, with members of Set Straight who played with you guys for yep. for Wild Rose and uh, and a, another band locally from here called Plead. And it's like I told everyone straight up, it's like I just want to write these songs and everything else be handled by other people because arguably I shouldn't be in a second band right now. I have so much <laughs> going on, but I just like I want to. A, have a new band for sure. the local scene here in Calgary, and B, just, like, again, scratch that itch. Like, I'm a little chaotic in my mind where I need to have, like, stuff four, going on. five... Yes, stuff going on. If I have... You gotta have a like, full plate. I can't have one main thing that I only focus my time on. Like, that's just not my, how my brain is wired. Yeah. So, um, it, in all this, to maybe, like, loop the whole topic, I think giving people more grace at shows realizing yep. that people are human and they just need to you know maybe it's maybe this one time is not the last time but maybe it's not the time to have that like interaction yeah. um that you're you know uh fantas not fantasizing but you know what i mean where it's like oh it's gonna go this way and maybe yeah. you're gonna shut out my band or anything like that but uh, uh yeah. all that being said um you know i want to make sure that we hit on as much for uh this episode uh and you know we're already off to the races here which is good <laughs> I'm, I'm loving all of it um let's talk about weapon x so um weapon x off of i was listening to your interview with jamie okay friend of the show as well Great guy. um talking about some of the origin points of that um what's wild to me is that it sounds like the idea of this band has been in your brain for over 10 years oh yeah i okay so i sat on that name for like 15 years um which and i don't know how no one insane. else <laughs> taken it's, it. it's like, insane to me well so so what's funny is we started recording the demo and we were like okay like we're going to be putting this out soon and then mm -hmm. we find out like probably two weeks before we finished recording and then dropped the demo that there was a band for uh, like a thrash band from LA called weapon X. Oh, and so all that's, in the 15 years, it's like yeah, too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Like, like I was, I was like, God fucking damn it. Like <laughs> I cannot fucking believe this is the case. So we, we like in our group chat, we went back and forth about it for a couple of days, like heavy conversation. Like, what do we do? Like, mm. You know, and we were just like, fuck it. We'll just toss another X on there um, and we'll ride it out. It makes sense. It it still looks and sounds hard. So like, whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I've been sitting on that name uh, and, and you know, the whole idea behind it was a heavy straight edge band, uh, uh, first blood demo, but super straight edge. Yes. That was like always the thing that I had in the back of my mind. Um, and then, you know, in 2020, we had that car we had that conversation at this like get together and Isaac was like, okay, I'll write a demo. And I didn't think twice about it. And then a few months later, he was like, Hey, what do you think about this so far? And I was mm -hmm. like, Oh, you were serious. Right. This is actually happening. Mm -hmm. And from there it's snowballed. Yeah. It, it, I, maybe a month or so ago, I did a rewatch of all the, um, uh, of all the X-Men movies. And I was watching the uh, Wolverine origin movie. And I was just like, man, so, like I would argue that, probably 
90% of the hardcore scene has seen this movie and oh, yeah. has heard Weapon X. So. And I'm just shocked that it took this much time for a band to come out. Um, and, you know, there wasn't like multiple iterations. There's just clearly one from LA. From what, but, I, under- you know. from what I understand, there was an extremely short-lived side project for, I want to say it was Ensign in like 1996 i could be wrong i'm probably getting the details wrong but like i've seen a couple of comments on stuff about us where somebody's like oh like there was a weapon x from i want to like i said i for some reason i have ensign in my head that's not really a band that i listen to no Hmm. offense uh but i want to say that that's what it was but i don't think they ever put anything out or anything Hmm. um so but yeah i i'm still shocked that there was not that there has not been a semi well-known straight edge band with that name prior to this i I grew up reading comics so Mm. uh i I mean it's a hard you know that name has been again stuck in the folds of my brain for such a long time totally um yeah so it it was just it's wild to hear that it was just a couple months prior to like it dropping to be like oh we need to add one more X just it was so frustrating. Oh, I was so <laughs> bummed out. And I mean, no, you know, no dunk on them or whatever, like fair play. Like, but like I was just like, God, the timing of this is such a bummer. Right. Yeah. It's um for this for the new project that I mentioned, we were like tossing band names around in the in the group chat a couple of days ago and we we're like, should we like you have to do the band cat band camp and Spotify check just to see if there's other artists and uh there the the runner up name i like searched on spotify and i was like oh my god there was like 10 artists here but they were all like international like hip hop and rap artists so i'm like yeah. oh i think it's fine but yeah, then we I ended see, up going with the other one so i think for us if they hadn't been like if it wasn't like a thrash band who like at least seemed adjacent we mm-hmm. probably would have just rolled with it but because yeah. you know what i mean like i you know since they're since they seem kind of adjacent and like we don't we didn't want to go that route with it so right so um you know in jamie's interview you said that like this is your first band ever and you're again you're 34 years old yeah um so a little late to the game as far as being in a band um but like when like why was it like in your head and then it just like it took isaac and like other people to be like okay no we're actually gonna do this like was there like a barrier for you to like starting this band or, or was that like just non the cards at the time? So I guess, I guess to, to go into that, I was supposed to do a band with Jim Barron um, who sings for, or sorry, he plays guitar for two witnesses. He mm-hmm. sang for nine eyes oh, and okay. we were going to do a band prior to nine eyes and uh he had written he had written like a full demo of stuff and like he came to me and say and said hey i have a demo uh i wrote lyrics songs everything i want you to sing on it and um this was god i mean this was prior to nine eyes so this was a pretty long time ago at least 10 12 years ago Mm -hmm. and um we tried to record it and for whatever reason i was insanely self-conscious about it and just insanely like in my own head about it so it ended up falling through and some of those songs ended up becoming nine eyes songs hmm. so i had tried to do a band you know i tried to do that band with him prior and um for whatever reason i just never thought to go to people and say hey i want to do this straight edge band you're straight edge i'm straight edge you play an instrument do you want to do this with me um 
And I, I think I talked about it on Jamie's podcast, but you know, I, again, I was at a get together um, and a whole, you know, there were just a whole bunch of us bullshitting and, and somebody made an offhand comment that was like, oh yeah, now we just got to get Dave in a band. I was like, oh, that's probably not going to happen at this point. And Tyler said, well, what about Weapon X? I said, dude, I've been sitting on that for such a long time. Like I've sort of given up on it at this point. And that's when Isaac kind of chimed in and was like, hey, I'm going to write a demo. Right. And fast forward, you know, he wrote the demo and we got to the point. Um, the first song that we recorded was the compilation song on the LDB 502 comp. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we went to record that, I, again, was feeling, I was super nervous. I was super, you know, especially with the people that I'm in a band with, they all know they're all fucking really good musicians, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I, Isaac, Brian, Trey are all really, really seasoned musicians. And um, I was like, I'm going to be a weak link in this. I'm going to, I'm going to drag this band down. And we went to, we went to start the recording for that first track. And I did, you know, Isaac was like, Hey, just do the first couple of lines. Uh, and uh, this is going to sound like a, a, like a brag or like a humble brag. And I don't mean it to, but um he was like, hey, just do the first couple of lines. Your timing is probably going to be fucked. You might blow your voice out. It's okay. Like, we will we will get through it. And side note, he's just really good at driving all of that. So mm. having him help me with that stuff was yeah. such a huge, huge, huge boon. But I did the first couple of lines, and it was in the other room. It was Isaac, Tyler, and Trey. And I do the first couple of lines, he cuts the music and like Trey and Tyler are just freaking the fuck out, like screaming. <laughs> and I, and I poke my head out and I'm like, was that okay? And Tyler goes, dude, how the fuck have you not been in a band before? Mm. Like, why the fuck, why the fuck did it take you this long? And mm. from that point on, I just, I felt way more comfortable, way more, okay, like I can do this. And mm. um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it all came together at the beginning. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's crazy because there's, I've had other people on the show where it's like being in, being in a band and playing in front of people is, does not come normally to me. I'm not like it's terrifying. a super extroverted person where I can go and do that. But in the process of doing that, it's helped me build confidence in being able yeah. to do that and be a front person um, or, or not even just be a front person, but just like uh, be... be more social and interact yeah. with people. And um and it's wild that, uh, you know, and, and at the same time, I'm not trying to give you grief of, of like, where, where have you been, Dave? We, <laughs> it took so long, but like, that's the thing where I don't think anyone's hardcore or music journey, um, should be replicated. Everyone's got their own unique experience. Um, yep. I I've said here on the show, like, again, I'm almost 30 and I felt like the, the current project I'm in Endgame was like yeah, this is just going to be a whatever band that we play locally and kind of do. I felt like I missed the mark on like maybe getting international or like for anyone outside of my local sphere to give a fuck about branching out some. And then it was like, Oh, I think I've hit it now. And now it's like, Oh, I can play on that. And yeah, there's, is there a part of me that wishes, um, that happened earlier? Yeah, maybe. So, you know, I had like less responsibilities, but I'm just happy that like it even just happened and yeah. it's happening. So, um, yeah, it's it's cool to see that, you know, 
there's no point in your life where it's like, oh, like I've missed the the boat of like being in a band. Um, and nor do I think that you thought Weapon X would be flying up to Canada. To, Absol- to play absolutely shows. not. It's it's <laughs> it's like I, I mean, again, I, I said it at the beginning of the you know when we first started. It's stupid. I <laughs> never like even with uh, even with the people that are in the band. I pretty much figured like yeah, we you know because Noct is always going to take priority over mm-hmm. Weapon X, and I I know that you know what I mean that's their career. Um, so we we all knew that going into going into this. So we I, I think I just had this assumption that like oh you know we're gonna play the fest. We might play a Louisville show here and there, you know, and that'll be that. And now here we are. You know, my second show was in Canada, which again is insane to me. Um, and I'm really thankful for it. It's really fucking cool. Um, but I just never, never in a million years would have guessed that anybody outside of Louisville or outside of my friend group would have given a shit about yeah. this, you know? Yeah. It, again, I'm super thankful for it, but <laughs> I just never in a million years would have thought that that would be the case. Yeah. And I think if there's anything I've learned uh, doing multiple bands and just being in this space is like setting your expectations, like just to the absolute minimum, because yep. you never know what could happen uh, off of like, you know, like we have this new project happening with uh, some of the set straight guys, and it's like I have no expectations. I just want to like set straight some was shows. Zach's band, right? Yeah, so Zach's on vocals. Yeah. Oh, that's Brock's the yeah. bastard. Yeah, the bastard, and then Brock, who plays drums, is also in Sick. it. And uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I uh, I don't think we're gonna have. When when we have recorded music, I'll send it your way. It's, Please, yeah. I I've approached it musically as I wanted to be um, desolated UK beatdown worship. Okay, yeah. So I just wanted it to be like ultra heavy. Like Endgame is a band that has so many fast parts, and the rule with this new band is no fast. No parts. fast parts. I like yeah. that. <laughs> I like so. I, I, lo- I love a good like ground level rule like that. Like hey, we're gonna we're gonna have a standard and we're gonna follow it. God damn it. Yes, absolutely. Um, so circling back to uh, when, you know, the first time recording, because I remember vividly when I heard the demo drop, because it uh, it ironically was on the same day that Endgame was dropping our new single. And I'm yeah. like, you know, posting it. I'm like, oh, people are going to be talking about this demo, <laughs> not our single. I'm so and that's, sorry. No, it's fine. I was going to fuck. But I was listening to it in the airport because I was flying uh, down to the States for work. And I was like, I don't know who this Dave guy is, but he sounds hella pissed. And I like it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, talk to me about, like, you know, you get that first, like, oh, I can do this in the studio with that that first track. Um, did you guys start recording the, the demo or the songs off of the demo immediately after, or did that come just with more time? It, it was a little while later. So the demo actually kind of got recorded out over the course of a while. It was like three months, I think, um, just because, you know, not this busy, I'm 34 and have a career. So, you know, it was kind of whenever we could fit in time to, to do a track or two, um, right. And um, it's funny because that demo dropped the Wednesday before LDB um, Mm -hmm. and we were playing Friday and we finished the last song that we recorded for the demo that Sunday night prior to that Wednesday that came out. Yeah, like it was a super, (laughs) super, so, so we, you know, we knew we were playing the fest and we were like, 
we have to have music out prior to the fest. Right. We have to. Like, and I you're like, not... I need to submit this for the streaming platforms. Yep. Like yesterday. <laughs> yep. And well, and shout out, shout out to Cahill from Pure Noise because he he helped us out a shitload with getting that kind of up, you know, right. as quickly as, as he, quickly he has as a bit happened. of a, a backdoor access. Yeah, maybe. it was. It, he, I mean, he really he really did us a huge solid by by helping us with that. And um, Sunday night. Weapon X. So in spite of you. So, so yeah, Sunday night we finished recording. We submit it first thing in the morning for like mixing and mastering. Um, oh, we wow. get the final. Yeah, dude, the timeline on this was fucked. I think we got the final master like Tuesday afternoon. And, and that's when, you know, that's when we submitted it for Bandcamp and, you know, that's when they sent it, they sent it out to try to get it up on Spotify and everything as quickly as possible. And like, so here we are like, yeah, cause stressing. it was out on Spotify. You said Wednesday it dropped evening. on the Wednesday. No. Well, I'm trying to remember. I got to pull up my calendar. <laughs> the, the specifics of this matter. So, um, that was March. What was that? Uh, you said it was a Wednesday. It was the Wednesday. I'm I'm almost positive it it was available to listen to the Wednesday before the fest. Okay, and then so two LVB... days before the fest. Man, I used to do this podcast where I had to screen record, and it was like when I wanted to look up shit like this, I would always irk me because I'm like, oh, I need to have like a second. So laptop. it was March. So it was March 11th. Right. Okay. Uh, which so was the that fe- would that be was the, the ninth. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure mm. the demo was available to listen to on the ninth. Right. Yeah. And and that is definitely the the same day that we we dropped our shit. Um. And I remember listening to it the morning of because I made the post for our shit, and then it was like, oh, Weapon X. Because I remember we did. Trey came on to do a podcast yeah. where we talked about Weapon X, and I was. It was like a, it was like a like, month. When or is this I, coming out? And he's like, I just know it's coming out before LDB. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, two days before LDB. Literally okay, two days checks. before. Yeah. Yeah. But the turnaround time—that's crazy. It's nuts. It's fucking crazy. And I mean, again, everybody that you know, Bricktop were the ones that uh, mastered it and everything. I mean, everybody involved did us a huge solid. And also, like, it just—I mean. Not to be vain about my own band, but like it fucking sounds awesome. Oh, <laughs> like... absolutely. Um, the man, round of applause for everybody involved getting Dude, that straight, straight up, up online, straight just up like the they, fest. life lifesavers. Because I, you know, I, I, it would have felt weird to me playing my very first show ever with my first band ever and, and no not one having knows. music up. You know mm. what I mean? It would have felt yeah. kind of wrong to me. Um, and we were really stressed. Well, about of that, that scale too. If it yeah. sometimes. It's kind of cool to be like, oh, there's this new local, but it's like a all local show, and it's like yeah, all your friends. Exactly. But when yeah, it's all that, these people would... checking you out, then it's like, and you guys are opening the first day, you know, yeah. the stakes are a little higher. Absolutely, yeah, and mm-hmm. and you know that fest means a lot to me. I've uh, been every year that it's happened. It's you know, I the first year that it actually happened, I was living in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and I flew out here. Uh, I flew back here to come to it. So that fest means a shitload to me. And being a part of it means a shitload to me. So I wanted to make sure that, I don't know, it felt like if we had played that without having music up, if we um, had gone about it that way, that I would have been, um, I had a way that I was going to phrase this in mind and I just lost it. It just, it would have felt like I was not 
treating the fest the way it deserves to be treated, if that makes sense. I know that's kind of weird, but you felt like it, you would have not done your not due diligence, but you felt like you doing it in that way was honoring um, yes. to the fest that you at least as, at least as much as it could be, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I really think that's cool to, you know, for going to a fest for so long that has like changed names um, has evolved and arguably like put a scene on the, the hardcore map um, yep. and to want to like, honor it in that way of like having your music out and like you know there's i was unfortunately wasn't at ldb that year but so many of my friends who were down there they're like yo weapon x playing their first show off of like music that's been out for two days was like crazy never Um, how was that set for you specifically uh i okay so i was scared shitless i um i about half an hour before before the fest started um like, and before they opened the doors, I remember Isaac and Brian relayed the story to me after the fact. They were, there was only a handful of people in the venue at the time. Um, and they were like standing around talking to a couple of friends of theirs from California. And they said, yeah, you know, we were bullshitting with them. And we looked over at you and you were just sitting on the couch by yourself like this. <sighs> <laughs> I was freaking the fuck out, terrified. And once the second it started, totally fine. It mm. all, that all went away. I remember we got to, um, cause we played the intro twice and we got to where we were playing the intro the second time. And as they were kicking into it, I was like, Oh shit, we're done. Like this is, over. <laughs> uh, right. this is insane. I, you know, I don't want to say I blacked out, but it's just kind of like, you know, it, it was all such a blur, but, um, I never, again, from the get-go i never would have expected anybody besides our friends and you know the people in our city to give a shit so the fact that that set went off the way that it did was like you know there's there were a couple of points where i distinctly remember even in that blur looking out and being like what the fuck is going on (laughs) this is insane right and it was i mean it was a blast it was so much fucking fun i could not um again you know this might be this might come across as corny. I don't really give a shit. That fest, the people who put it on, um, my city mean a lot to me. And that being the very first show that I ever get to play, it, I could not ever ask for a better first show. I mean, it's just, it's, I, it's perfect, you know? Um, it, it's really funny because I've, I've heard you, um, say like well i don't want to sound too corny like this has come up on this podcast as well as jamie's but like i really think that people that would call out something to be corny just maybe got told in their upbringing that they couldn't be passionate about what they like yeah and i i think that i think that's a pretty fair criticism and i you know i feel bad it's the same as um because like you should talk about like the shit that like you know like yes gives you goosebumps and like i love talking to my friends about the things that they love Mm -hmm. i love hearing from my friends about things that they give a shit about because if i didn't what's i don't know what's the point in being friends with somebody if that's if you're not going to be excited for the things that they have Mm -hmm. happening and and if you're not going to celebrate their successes and celebrate their wins and it's it's you know i feel bad for anybody who maybe got that slap down of like oh like you're being corny 
by talking right. about this, you yeah. know, and, and ultimately, I mean, I don't care if somebody wants to call me corny, that's fine. Whatever, you know, um, it doesn't impact me any. And um, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I feel really lucky to be able to participate the way that I have and contribute in a very small way, the way that I'm able to, you know, it's really fucking cool and special to me. So totally. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, you, it, it's the same, like anyone listening to this podcast that, that plays shows feels like it's not necessarily blacking out. And some people have used that way to explain the, the, you know, what's going through their head or the, the rush of, of playing a show. Uh, but for me, it's like really like, Oh, the last two songs, like when I'm like, like sometimes I need to do a better job of like taking an actual like snapshot with my eyes as far as like, yeah. you know, where we're playing a really cool show. Um, but you mentioned, um, you know, the, the second time going into the intro. And one of my questions was, cause I, I think that's always such a cool flex for bands to like open and close a set with the intro, it rocks. But play it, play it twice. So in your opinion, three bands whose intros you feel warrant to open and close a set. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one just on the spot, just because like, I feel like that's something that I could probably think about and talk about at length, but I need to figure out, I need to figure out what, uh, I might have to revisit that one with you only because okay. I, 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 I'm going to need to do some digging on intro, you know, on intros that I think could be, because obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of intros that I love, right. But not necessarily ones that I could see being played twice. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so you don't want to just like hand that. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> hand that out. I want to. I want to think my way through that because because I think I think there's a lot that uh, I could. Could we you know, workshop one right now? One. Okay. Let me. And 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 as you're thinking, I'll I'll share uh, one that I you know when I saw that I was like, what what's a band that I feel like could do? Yeah, this hit me with it, times? please. Um. Growing up, uh, ever since uh, their first EP, I have always been a really big Kubaicon fan. And okay, yeah. I find that they are they write really fantastic intros. It's just yeah. like, here's like the really cool, groovy mosh part, and then that's kind of it. And they've done that like time and time again on multiple albums. So for me, if they played Ant Pile at the beginning, at the very end of the set, yeah. Um, or the um just the does the one from balancing survival and happiness have a name oh i think it is it just set it off no sorry give me half a no no oh it's eyes time. up so either if it's eyes up to start and end or and pile like i think that goes either way so that would be my pick um, okay but you know sounds like you're checking uh your spot yeah is I'm, I'm doing a little i'm doing a little bit of research here um and obviously for the listeners of the show, you know, drop those um, intro and outro, um, you know, suggestions in the comments and uh, in the episode, because uh, I love reading those when those come through. See, a lot of the intros that come to mind for me aren't, okay, um, a lot of the intros that come to mind for me are not necessarily like, like our intro is basically just like a mosh like thing. And a lot of the ones that are leaping to the front of my mind, intros that I really love are not that. Like, I really love, um, Zayo's like one of my favorite bands and I really love intro Savannah, but that intro is like, just like a really creepy, like moody, uh, 
instrumental thing. It's yes. not a, it's not a, not a mosh, not a mosh intro. Yeah. Um, Th- there are intros that like lead into something versus like, yeah. it's just like hits you right, like right away, like a freight train. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, you know, and again, like it's funny because every one that I think of, almost every one is like that. I'm thinking the first Black Dahlia Murder LP has uh un- has like the unhallowed intro into mm-hmm. it's not Funeral Thirst. I don't remember what the first track. Maybe it is Funeral Thirst. I don't remember the, the the name of the first track offhand. But like they're all like they're all like you know instrumental, like just kind of moody things. Not so. This may be one that I have to come back with uh, a better answer for. Okay. Um, next time we next time we talk. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll. There will definitely be you know enough time for you to really think about it, and next time we talk, I, I will hold you to having three Please. suggestions. Please, <laughs> but yeah, I, absolutely. But again, I just love the idea of bands that write a banger intro, and they're like, "Fuck it, let's close with it too." And yeah. seeing you guys at Wild Rose, it was like. It both times had a, a good reaction. Like people yeah, pile it up for that part. Yeah, it's fun, <laughs> and people have a good time. So, and which mm-hmm. is you know exactly what I want. So right. So um, you know, as far as the time of recording this, played in uh, LDB hometown, mm-hmm. and then Canada. Uh, yep. What is show number three going to look like, or is there even something on the calendar so far? Nothing on the calendar yet. Um, Knock is pretty busy. They, they're they on a huge tour right now. They're out with uh, Bring Me the Horizon. Um, my right. roommate and I actually went to Nashville last week to go to go see that. Um, so, you know, and again, Knock is always going to take priority. And um, so we just kind of fit stuff in where we can. And right now, there's nothing on the books. There are a couple of things that are up in the air as maybes, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not entirely sure if those are going to happen yet. So I don't want to speak too loud just yet. Right. But um, I'm hoping we get to play soon. I, you know, I've had a blast uh, every time. And um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. We're a bit of a holding pattern. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like if you look at a filter system, it's crazy how it's like, there's knocked, and then right under that is like inclination, inclination. and then dare yep. for Trey, and then it yep. just goes down and down and down, and then yep, weapon like, is down there. <laughs> which honestly, like that that works for me because again, I'm 34. I have a mm-hmm. career. I can't really if we ever did any kind of run or tour, it would be a few days because right. one, they're busy, and two, honestly, I'm busy too, just with right. my job and with you know all that. So. It, the cool thing about that is I never feel any stress about this band. Like the only time I feel any stress is when we're about to play. And then I was stressed about uh, getting the demo out prior to right. the fest. But beyond that, there's never a point where I'm thinking about weapon X and I'm, I'm feeling any kind of heartburn about it. Right. We just, we get to do it for fun. We get to do it whenever we can. And I actually really like that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Listening to your interview with Jamie, you were mentioning um, how long you've been straight edge. And, um, you know, obviously, it, I think it's been like a year since you've done the interview, but um, you've been straight edge for over half your life at this point. At this point, yeah. I am coming up on, I've been straight edge since I was 15. Mm-hmm. I turned 35 next year. So I'm coming up on 20 years of yeah. being straight edge, which I'm also coming up on 20 years of going to shows. So, because mm-hmm. it was kind of one thing right after the other. Um, so yeah, I've been straight edge for kind of a long time. I'm old. 
Right. So maybe uh, as like a precursor uh, question that I can ask before we get into some of the other specific things around that, um, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in your life being straight edge? Um, the, the biggest thing that I've learned is, how do I phrase this? So I'm going to, I'm going to, I have a point to come around to with this. Sure. When, yeah, when, found, when foundation put out, uh, the LP, when the smoke clears, my favorite straight edge song of all time is on that LP. Um, it's no one writes protest songs anymore. And it, the reason that it's my favorite straight edge song of all time is because, um, the question gets asked you know, within the lyrics and you think I'm the one who's crazy because pretty much throughout the entire past, almost 20 years that I've been straight edge, the amount of times that people have, you know, people have asked or people have said, Oh, you're straight edge. That's crazy. How do you do it? And I'm like, you know, I I don't judge anybody for doing what they're going to do. I don't have anything bad to say about people doing what they're going to do. Me being straight edge, it's more about, um, I don't like I really don't like those industries. I really don't like how predatory a lot of them are and that kind of thing. But the the question that I've been asked the most is, how do you do it? Or damn, or you know, just being told, damn, that's so crazy. And I'm like, really? That's crazy. Like that's not not wanting to not wanting to do those things. Like that's bizarre to you. And mm. you know, um, the biggest thing that I. I guess that's not really necessarily a lesson learned, but it's very much a, um, very much something that's always kind of stuck with me as like, a, particularly after that came out, it kind of just was a great reminder of like, no, like I'm not fucking crazy. I'm, you know, I, I feel at least personally, cause everybody does it for their own reasons, but mm. I feel completely and wholly justified in why I'm doing it and, and what pushed me into being straight edge in the first place. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's harder to be edge in 2022 or when you first claimed like has the, the culture like drug culture has always like been, it's been existing, but it's changed, you know, things like the internet and different people who are like pushing that kind of lifestyle. Like, do you think it's harder now for people to find that and a commit to it? And, uh, you know, but again, it's like for your own reasons, but you think, yeah just in the times like do you think it's harder or easier i think that's a double layered question because i think i can approach that from like my personal experience or i can approach that from the uh larger the larger experience as a whole so like for Mm -hmm. me personally uh it's it just gets easier as time goes on i i don't even think about it because i've been straight edge for a pretty fucking long time and i there's never you know there's never been a point in that I can think of in recent history where I've second guessed it or, or been like, I don't know if this is for me anymore. You know, I've just kind of settled further and further into that. Right. As far as the larger experience for somebody who may be thinking about becoming straight edge or, or somebody who's only been straight edge for a couple of years or that kind of thing. I don't know. Um, I think on one hand uh, right now, 2022, October 8th, you know, very specific. Yeah, at twelve twenty-two p.m. At twelve twenty-two p.m. Yeah, I, well, the reason I bring that up is like right now, I feel like in the past year or two, we have like a pretty significant amount of really cool, really good straight edge bands, and mm-hmm. I think that is one aspect of whether or not people are going to be interested in mm-hmm. straight edge. I think, um, I think, um, you know, right now we have a shitload of 
there's just a shitload of really good straight edge bands within hardcore putting out music, playing shows, going on tour. Um, so I think on, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, good. stuck up on me. I think on one hand, um, there's a lot of opportunity for somebody who's younger, who may have just started going to shows to be hearing all those bands and thinking like, damn, that's fucking cool. Like I'm going to do that. Or, you know, maybe their life experiences have, have them thinking like, oh damn, like there's other people out there who maybe have similar experiences and I can, I can relate to those bands, those lyrics, those people. Um, and I have like a space. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think right now we're actually in a, I think straight edge is in a pretty good place as far as whether or not it's easy to be straight edge right now. It's a hard one for me to answer because it's been such, it's been such a, you know, such a thing for me for such a long time. Yeah. Um, for you, it's easy, but you can't, you know, yeah. Hard to your own. Yeah. 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 It's hard to compare. And, and I guess I like how you took it immediately back to music because I always think about this too, where it's like, you know, people that are, um, I don't listen to him anymore, but back before Crystal Lee was canceled, uh, I was a fan of his and he would talk about on some of his skits where he was like, he didn't drink, um, growing up and you know, like he, you know, it's weird to think that there are people that are quote unquote straight edge with like, no involvement in with hardcore. no involvement in hardcore, nor do they like know that they are. Um, it doesn't by their make actions. any sense. Well, and like I've talked to people who identify as straight edge who have no involvement with punk and hardcore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have, we had a conversation earlier. I don't believe in gatekeeping. So I'm not going to say you're not actually straight edge, mm-hmm. but I do think that, um, with straight edge in particular, I think being having some level of connection to punk and hardcore is kind of inherent, or at least should be kind of inherent to that, um, sure. because that's where it came out of. That's where that yeah, entire cult. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. where it's birth. That's where that entire culture exists. I mean, there's not not to say that you can't be sober, you can't be straight edge, like outside of being involved in hardcore, but like pretty much the entirety of that culture lies within that music that scene that you know all of that so um you know i i think i think there's an important distinction to be made there mm-hmm. yeah i i think so something um i i can't remember if i talked to to you about this uh at wabros but um something that is funny to me because a lot of people just assume that I'm straight edge because of how much like liquid death I drink on this podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, no, shout but out, I think the, the flavor, the liquid death sparkling stuff, those are so goddamn good. Um, top flavor. Uh, mango, the mango. Really? Chainsaw, I believe. Yeah. I love mango flavored stuff like a lot. Um, they're all really good. I think, I think my order would be mango. Number one, uh, lime number two, which is interesting because I'm not huge on like citrus or lime flavored stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, uh, the berry number three. That's I've never heard someone say mango is their top flavor. I, I love mango flavored stuff. It's In- so good because mango is a hard like flavor to really hit on oh, for me. Oh, I think yeah. it's, I think it would be more lime berry mango. For, I think I pro- I'm probably in I'm I definitely would be in the uh the minority there of like you know uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think a lot of people would would have that that as their number you're, one. You're you're like the the person that chose um the 
uh, when everyone was like uh, doing the Pokemon Let's Go, you would be the <laughs> one on on um, w- Jordan. What's the Moltres team? Because everyone was Articuno, and oh no, who, I who was Zapdos. I, I think Zapdos is the one where people were like, "Oh, that's that's the bad team." Where that's nope, the that sun. was me. That was me. <laughs> Zapdos but was always my favorite of the legendary birds. So I think Zapdos is the coolest legendary bird of the three, personally. Yeah, easily, easily, by far. Yeah, it's it's a way cooler. Like you're going through this electric factory with all yeah. these exploding Voltorbs and electrodes, and then also his Zapdos. design. He looks sick. Hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm probably gonna lose followers on this podcast who <laughs> specifically. Uh, the Zapdos team is Team Instinct, by the way. Thank Instinct, you. yes. Instinct, yeah. I was I in the brief time that I played Pokemon Go, I I played on Instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but jumping back to it, uh, yeah, I I would drink so much water that people get off put that I'm like a I don't drink, and I think something that's in- interesting for me growing up is that. I never like claimed edge, but it was just like sometimes easier to explain to people. So like for people in hardcore, it's like, yeah, I'm I'm like I'm I don't drink, I don't do this, yeah, I'm pretty much this, but I like I don't have X's on my hands at yeah. the show or whatever. And then I think by twenty two I was like, Okay, I'm I'm just gonna try this out because again the lifestyle wasn't like so embedded into me. Sure. And now yeah. I'm at a place now where like it's it's so ingrained to me of like, I, I respect and I see the value in it. And for mm-hmm. me, it's like, I have enough self-control where it's like, I can have, if I'm, you know, going out, I can have, have like one drink and yeah. then that's it. And, you know, I've talked to other people about straight edge on this podcast. And, um, back in the day, it used to be like, so black and white where it was like, oh, yeah. you're either straight edge or you're just getting fucked up all the time. And yep. now you're seeing a little bit more people like myself that maybe may somewhere in that gray area, like we were yeah. talking about before. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I think, you know, something it, it's something just the idea of um, having enough control, whether it's to never drink ever or to have, you know, nothing where you're like endangering the lives or or even just like not being like the fucking person that people have to take care of for the yeah. rest of the night um or you know it goes into all these different things but i think it's really cool especially now where there is you know people i just see so much like craziness in in culture outside of like the heavy music and yep. you know i always talk to people who have like no idea what like straight edges and it, how it comes from punk and they're like mm-hmm. that's the last place i would expect yeah. something like that to come from yeah, people who people who don't have that insight are always shocked when they find out that it was a bunch of, you know, punk dudes from DC, you know, <laughs> right. that that did that. And um it's kind of a funny distinction because you know, back then punk had that had that uh how do I how do I phrase it? It just had that reputation for like, oh, like you're a punk, like you go to shows, you get fucked up, you, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes Things need to swing so much in one direction where there's like a course correction, so to speak. Yeah. And then something else bursts out of that. That's a total 180. And then yeah, again, absolutely. there's going to be people that fall somewhere down the middle. But it's yeah. cool that a lot of people have, you know, if their vice is, um, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever, um, for them to have an option that they can commit to for for life um, mm-hmm. to 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 be sober and not touch those things is, is really, really cool. 
Um, speaking of straight edge, uh, I wanted to ask uh, something that you probably don't know about. So there's a, a band from uh, where I grew up called 1920. And okay. when I was learning about straight edge, uh, I started to learn about like hardline edge and how there's mm-hmm. like, here are the main X's, but then there's also some people that take it a step further to do, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. So uh, there was, <laughs> this is so funny that I'm talking about this. So they had one song where there was a gang vocal chant um, where it was like, no, promiscuous sex. And it would like <laughs> repeat 16 times. Um, have you, are your views of straight edge that insane or not insane? Mm. Maybe that's, maybe that's a bad yeah, way to phrase it. Yeah, but, you uh, can say insane. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> me personally, no. Um, I'm not telling you to disclose your sex life. Or anything. No, no, no. All right. So here's the thing. We're going to get into my sex life. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's it's one of those things where it's like, when I was growing up, I think that was a much more common idea that was associated sure. with straight edge. Probably. And um, I think probably when I was growing up, uh, I just by default, I think probably fell into thinking that way as well. I mm-hmm. don't particularly care at this point, the way, you know, if, if it's safe and consensual, then um, I don't think it really has a ton of bearing on straight edge. It's funny, we joked pretty early on, uh, with Weapon X about making shirts that said, ask, uh, ask me about the third X. Um, <laughs> and it, I don't think it's going to happen, but, um, but yeah, personally, like, I don't think about it that way. If people choose to good for them, uh, you know, more power to you. But um, yeah, that, I think that, I think that over the, over time has sort of uh, started to kind of fall by the wayside in terms right. of uh, how people think about straight edge and how people approach it. Or, or, you know, total, a little bit different, but in the same vein of like people being like, well, you drink coffee, that's a drug, caffeine's a drug, and you're you like, know, but bro, coffee's sick. <laughs> yeah, coffee's fucking badass, Red Bull is badass, like, it's one of those things where like, if, if, I feel like the only, there's nobody, there's nobody that is actively involved that like goes to shows that fucking thinks that way. And if you do, shut up. You're a dork. <laughs> uh, like, I'm sorry. Like, maybe I'm being a dick and I'm being dismissive of the way people think and feel. But like, Jesus fucking Christ, of all the, of all the things that you want to draw a line in the sand about, me having a cup of coffee a day is the one. Mm-hmm. Come on, you know. It's it's that's a way better scenario than like having a beer or wine with every meal. Like, yeah. again, again, it's Which so again, person you know, to pe- person. Um, yeah, yeah, and people can do what they want to do. And I've got, you know, like, but like, it's just like, really, like, you're going to get on my ass about having, a, like, I have like one or two cups of coffee a day. Mm-hmm. You, and somebody wants to give me grief over that and say that I'm not straight edge because of that, like, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, again, it's, um, it's, I think, going back to what we were talking about where there's like, there's definitely a lot of gray and, but there yeah. are definitely things that are black and white. It's like, yeah. you can't, it, it's, it's very interesting how, where there was like, right when like weed was being legalized in Canada and there would be people who would be straight edge. just like, but you're doing CBD. Like, is that not the, uh, but like, this- so the way, the way that, so like using CBD as an example, yeah, the way that I, as somebody who's been straight edge for a really long time, looks at it, you, you're not getting high you're not you know it's the same as like oh like 
if you want to if you want to hold cbd to that standard i hope you don't fucking take ibuprofen i hope you don't take a vitamin sure, i hope sure. you don't take you know what i mean like i i feel like i feel like at that point at the point where you're like getting bent out of shape about something like cbd you you're picking the wrong things to focus on and you're being um i don't know contrarian for the sake of it yeah um, sure and I think I said CBD maybe out of like, I'm no fucking like weed expert on like some of these no, things. No, sure. <laughs> like also- I, I'm way, if you're, if we're looking at straight edge and like just so just doing everything, I'm way yeah. more on this side. Like, but sure. I'm just outside of like the, the X factor, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I like how you phrase that it, where it's like, you're just focusing on the wrong things to be. Yeah. There's, there's so at. many, there's so many, like, again, personally you know not everybody's going to agree with me on this and that's okay personally like a big part of why i'm still straight edge in 2022 october 8th at 2 36 p.m eastern standard <laughs> time um is like i i you know i have plenty of friends that are not straight edge i have plenty of friends in active recovery um i have nothing bad to say about any of them um because that's stupid but i live in kentucky I live in one of the worst parts of the country in terms of uh, how we've been hit by the opioid ep- epidemic. I live downtown. I see people nodding out or ODing almost every day. And like, so where I stand with it, and the reason that I think it's so dumb to focus on like, caffeine, uh, CBD, you're, you're, that's bad, is there's way more important shit. Like, that shit that I'm talking about. There's way more important shit to be angry about and to raise hell about than somebody who has a cup of coffee in the morning. It, you know, be angry about the pharmaceutical companies that are, you know, that are the entire reason that this epidemic has been shredding the fucking Midwest for the last five, six, seven, eight, however goddamn many long years at this point. Mm-hmm. Don't folk, you know, don't be a pedant for the sake of fucking, you know, for the sake of like, I don't know, fucking looking cool because you don't like caffeine mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. you know I, I it's just it's such a bit that like when there's when there's so many awful things and so many injustices that you could focus on and and use straight edge as like a filter or lens for that's the dumbest possible one to approach it with i think yeah um i think i'm thinking back to uh when i had a not like a straight edge episode, but like an episode that definitely had a, a pillar point of that. Um, you know, I, I, someone that, uh, that I know reached out to me about like, Oh, well you're not considering like harm reduction and like some of those things that go into that. Do you have any like thoughts about that? Like you seem well, like you got your head on straight as far as like, it doesn't it, like straight edge should be this and everyone's got to be blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. like you said, Hardcore is open for everyone, but is not for everyone. I'm yeah. sure the same applies to straight edge to a degree. Yeah. I think it's um, for I think it's for anybody, but not everybody. And I think yeah. as far like it's funny we put out the demo and if you and it's I I we had kind of resolved to just never even talk about this because it doesn't fucking matter because the people that were mad about it don't exist in hardcore in any real shape or fashion. But there were a few yeah. people that were mad when we put the demo out at our lyrics because they took them to their most insane logical conclusion. Um, I'm absolutely like, I think harm reduction is incredibly important. I'm fucking 34. 
I'm not a, I'm not an 18 year old listening. You know, I'm not an 18 year old listening to Firestorm and being like, yeah, we should go fucking kill all drug dealers and we should fucking <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm not gonna lie to you and say there wasn't a point where I was 16, 17, 18 and didn't maybe think that way, but like, I'm right. It's been a long fucking time. But then you actually grow up and you realize how the world actually works and you, and you learn like, oh, I'm actually, I don't know shit about this. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the biggest thing is, you know, I, again, I have lots of friends who are not straight edge. I have multiple friends who are in active recovery and who the fuck am I to judge the things that they've been through that led them down those paths. Who the fuck am I to, to say, Oh, well, you're morally, you know, fuck you. You're morally wrong. Like, you know, it's, it's the same at that point, you're just act, you know, you're acting like all the same fucking uh, Republicans that, you know, I don't know, like you're acting, you're acting like the people um, who I got into a lot of this, because I wanted to get away from, and I wanted to not have any uh, association or involvement with, mm-hmm. you know, um, pe- you know, people who are hyper religious and use that as a as a lens to like judge or hate people through and that kind of thing. It's 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 so I think you know going to your to zoom back around and answer your question. I think harm reduction is like an incredibly important um, an incredibly important thing to be aware of. To to I think it's an incredibly important tool. Um, towards combating the things that I am actively against um, with being straight edge. I think, right. I think that's, that's the lens that I view all of that through. I, I definitely think like someone that has been straight edge, like for, you know, definitely you don't want like a six month straight edge person being like, okay, this is what we got to do. You know, yeah. the harm reduction. like not to say that you can't, but I think that perspective is interesting because you know that, I think a lot of people just would just assume that if you were a part of a squad or, or whatever that was doing that, you would just be handing out the fucking like straight edge Bible. But you, yeah. like, you've been in it long enough to know uh, that and doesn't have perspective help. on the different struggles and knowing that some people can go cold turkey and a yeah, lot of people, people can. can't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. They're like, I don't have a sob story. So this is not me leading into some like big, sad thing. Sure. Alcoholism runs in my family. Luckily, it did not, it did not impact or touch me personally, but Mm -hmm. I saw what my grandpa's alcoholism did to my mom. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of why I'm straight edge. And like, I understand, you know, back then it was just like, oh, like, fuck him. He, you know, whatever chose to do all that and whatever. And, and don't get me wrong. Like my mom is, my mom and I are really close and it's, I still, um, still kind of fuck him, but not necessarily, uh from the lens of like, oh, he could have just chosen not to do that. I mean, I've seen how deep that runs in my family as a whole. And I've learned between that, between experiences that I've had with other people that I know that like, that's, it's not just, it's not a light switch. That's not something that you can just turn off or on. It's not, it's not an easy thing for some people. And I think, I think reducing it down to, um, reducing it down to, you know, being an asshole about it, reducing it down to, well, just don't fucking do it. Right. Cool. Easy for you to say when you don't have the fucking life experiences or whatever that, you know, maybe led somebody into, into that side of things. Totally. And, and again, who, you know, I've been straight edge since I was 15. Who the fuck am I to, to throw stones at somebody who's had, you know, between the, the me being 15 and me being almost 35, that's a lifetime. 
and that's a lifetime for people to experience all all manner of different things, whether it's good things, whether it's incredibly awful things. Who the fuck am I to judge where somebody ends up because of their life experiences? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know it's 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 always funny when people will take things from a demo and lyrics and just like just go to the absolute ends. But like, arguably, you need to write what you're convicted to, and like you know sometimes writing lyrics you go to those places because that's where you're like, you need to get that out. But like, yeah, in reality, yeah. Like th- there are going to be people that like listen to firestorm and like fantasize about like killing their yeah, drug dealer which... or whatever, but like and, and... have, I would argue that 99.9% of people have not. And yeah. that 0.1%, you know, that's, that's just, that's and better. Also, <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Yeah. And, well, and also like look at hardcore as a whole. Look at the lyrical content of a ton of bands. There is so much goddamn hyperbole and so much, you oh. know, so much, so much posturing. And and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we're free from that. If you listen to the demo, there's plenty of both of that there. Sure. Um, but like that's like the fun part about it. I'm sorry, not many people are gonna are gonna mosh to like me, you know, me I like we're not going to write lyrics that have an insanely nuanced take and have people go off to them. Like, you know, if you want to be mad at me about that, fine, that's your prerogative. But like, at some point, there's also a layer of like, you're allowed to have fun. You're allowed to write dumb, heavy things and have your friends act like fucking idiots to it. Right. You know, if, 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 if the only lens that you're viewing all of this through is everything has to be, uh as nuanced as possible and as serious as possible and have as much meaning as possible like god damn like that sounds fucking boring right that sounds exhausting so you know i think i think there's an element of like you're allowed to have fun you're allowed to be a little bit goofy you're allowed to you know and and that's that's what that's what we like to do you know Mm -hmm. um speaking of having fun um, and we can cut this part if you want, if you don't want to talk sure. about it. Um, you were mentioning that you have friends that are no, are no longer straight edge. And I think mm-hmm. without naming names, there was a section of your LDB set where you were name dropping some people that are not straight edge anymore. Um, and I think at Wilders, you said, you told me that you essentially, that wasn't like a in the moment, like. Oh, I'm gonna no, that, do this. <laughs> that was no, no. Okay. So yeah, all of, all of those people that I mentioned are like good friends of mine. They all like, right. they all knew it was coming. Um, because like on one hand, yeah. Ignorant straight edge band on the other, those are my friends. Why do I want to bum? Why would I want to bum my friends? out? You right. know what I mean? Like, why would I want? So like I said, Hey, this is a thing that I think would be really funny to do but I want to, you know, I want to check in with you. And everybody that I talked to, it was like, oh yeah, that's hysterical. Like do it, go ahead. Um, Cause on no, the outside, no... it's just like, oh fuck, we're going here. But like, like, again, it's like, these are friends of mine that like, yeah. And I, and I almost think that it's like people um, that aren't straight edge anymore. It's almost like you there, if anything, you deserve to be called out by your friends that you are not anymore. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, like, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like I was doing that in any kind of like, in any kind of like, fuck you. Right. Fuck you. Yeah. It's just a funny, dumb thing. Right. That's it. It, um, 
it actually um it really reminded me because again like filming so many shows like my the way i remember things is so visual like because i just like see so much and like that's how my brain kind of like sorts through memories um mortatorate played vancouver uh for dbk five year and i think jess was saying something in between um and there was i'll keep his name out of it but he was like jokingly kind of going out is like because i think jess was originally from um the vancouver area before she came out to alberta and uh he was saying like oh you're a transplant or or something like that in in the sake of of her moving and then she i think had some kind of rebuttal of like shut up you're not even like you broke edge or something (laughs) And and this was someone that like had the fucking jacket at every single show had yep. like tattoos that I think he had to remove. Um, and again, it's funny cause I've seen people who have broke edge in different local scenes I've been a part of and they do the complete 180. And yeah. it's so crazy to me. Cause like six months ago you were like fucking saying these things. And now you're like doing the craziest shit ever. Well, and I, so, so to go know. into that a little bit, like the sure. reason, the, the reason that I'm straight edge, the person who got me into straight edge is my friend, Mo, one of my oldest friends also went to high school with him. Um, he, he's the guy that sings for two witnesses. Oh, okay. Um, and Mo, when I met him was like, he was straight edge and he saw me. I think I was wearing a throwdown shirt at school, but I was not straight edge yet at that point. Uh, and he said, oh, are you straight edge? And I said, no, but I mean, I guess. And from that point on, like, I was straight edge. And mm-hmm. Mo now, very much not straight edge, but like, you know, people like, and I've told that story to a few people who know both of us. And they're like, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> like, it's insane that of all the all the people that got you into that, it was Mo. Mm-hmm. And um, also, Side note, listen to Two Witnesses if you haven't. Uh, the EP Great that they band. put out either at the beginning of this year or last year. It's one of my favorite things. That, you know, I'm biased. I love my city. I love our bands, but Two Witnesses fucking rocks. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I just, you know, it, it, it strikes people who know both of us as pretty funny that he's the one that kind of got me on that, on this path in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it, it's all fun and games. Um for people to take are there times where someone has called someone out on stage uh for something straight edge breaking related or not absolutely um but i think for the most part if you're gonna do something like that like it should be funny funny (laughs) yeah Yeah. it should be funny at the very least i think that's the i give a lot of things a pass i'm like okay this is actually kind of funny (laughs) yeah like i i personally don't give a shit whether somebody is straight or straight edge or not and if like Mm -hmm. a friend of mine decides i think my quality of life would be better if i stopped doing this more fucking power to you if you are happier as long as you are like safe and you know taking care of yourself and that kind of thing that's the only thing i give a shit about i don't fucking care like i don't actually the the only time i give a shit about somebody selling out is i think i think there is the, the one thing that fucking gets me is when somebody sell is when somebody stops being straight edge and they act like they're they're how do I how do I phrase this people who are snobs about it people who stop being straight edge and then be like yeah I grew up fuck you oh. shut up 
I think like, I think like that is, being straight edge is childish. Yeah, I think it's mm. the corniest fucking thing on the planet. I think it's fucking lame. Like I I think like I think uh I don't know. I fucking hate that. That's something that I could probably talk about at length, but I think um I think there's the idea that like oh straight edge is childish and if you're still straight edge, you know, into your 30s or or however old, fuck that. I think that sucks. Dude. I think uh Yeah, I think that is whack. I yeah. I respect like when anyone says that they've done X, you know, pun intended or pun unintended, <laughs> but yeah. they do they have done X for X length or for Y length of time. I always and that could be anything from uh I've been vegan for this long. I've been yeah. strategic for this long. I've been working I've been out for this long. Working out. I've been doing this podcast. I've been filming bands. I've been That's playing beast. in bands. Like I think that is super cool because Everyone, I think, should do an audit of like what is the one quote unquote thing that they've been doing the longest and has been the constant and most yeah. consistent thing in their life. And that could be anything from like playing in bands, uh, yep. being in a relationship. I think yep. all those things should be rewarded versus like this. Absolutely. Oh, I grew up. Like, yeah, no, it's it's it. so fucking weird to me. And like, you know, going to your points about um being involved in those things for a long time. Like I've been straight edge for almost 20 years. We've covered that. Mm -hmm. It's been, you know, not to say that I've been through like any awful heinous shit, but in the, in the speed bumps in my life, that has been one of the main big things that I've always been able to for myself rely on and fall back on. It's one of the, it's one of the things that I've always felt confident about. It's one of the things that I've always drawn, like, you know, my own, uh, I don't want to say strength, but it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, if I'm going through it, or if I, if I feel like some of the things that I want in my life are slipping out of my grasp, I have that. I know I have that as kind of like an anchor uh, Mm -hmm. to, to rely on. And um, that, you know, again, people can think I'm corny for that. I don't really give a shit. I think that's fucking cool for me. And I'm happy about that for myself. So uh, what are your thoughts on, I know that there, you know, we, we talked a little bit about gatekeeping, but when it comes to like straight edge, cause there is a little bit of like people who will get like a little, like, oh, it's time for me to preach about this, but they've been straight yeah. edge for three weeks. So like, where do you think is an appropriate amount of t- like, do you have an idea about amount of so time or where's a- your mind go with that? That's a tough one because I have always been on, you know, there's, there's that old joke about like, uh, you're not really straight edge until you're 21 because you know, the drinking age here is 21. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think that's bullshit. I've never subscribed to that because like when I was in high school, when I was straight edge, uh, first, like the amount of situations that I was in where alcohol and drugs were very, very available. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and so, and me being straight edge was, was kind of a, a bulwark for me against those things. And so I think the whole idea of like, Oh, you're not really straight edge until you're 21. Fuck that. I think that's corny. And again, I corny in a bad way. Yes. Corny (laughs) in a bad way. Not, not in like a cool endearing way. Yes. Um, (laughs) I think, I think if somebody has been straight edge for three weeks and they want to talk really fucking loud about it, they're going to do the thing that I said earlier, where eventually they're either going to grow up and, and, you know, maybe still remain straight edge and just kind of look back and be like, Ooh, that was a little corny in the bat derogatory, or 
they're going to do the, the thing that I said earlier and they're going to weed themselves out and they're right. going to look like a fucking idiot anyways. Mm-hmm. And so again, I don't really feel the need to like say anything about it or like do anything about it because they're either going to, they're either going to mature mm-hmm. or they're just going to fucking weed themselves out and look like a dumbass anyways. Yeah. I think the key word that you just said there is mature. And I, yeah. I talk about it all the time. Like, people need to fucking have a, a lot more self-awareness when they're at a show, when they're just how they're acting about things and yep. just be like, yeah, like I am not the person to be speaking the most I'm about not the, this thing. I'm not the main character. I'm not the main character. Yeah. Not to say that you can't be um, like in time, but I think sure. it's, it's the same thing with like, I've seen people like filming and, um, and uh, taking photos at shows. It's like people will do like three shows and then they're like, t- I'm like, you know, saying all these different things about it. And I'm like, I, I could not tell you how many shows that I have filmed and documented and like put out and like pay it out of pocket to do this shit. So like, I know that I'm, I, I know my shit and I know that I'm in a place that I can talk about different things, um, on my opinion. But I, I, I do think that people need to be a little bit more self-aware. I agree. When it comes to when it comes to anything. Um, uh, top three straight edge bands right now in okay Hardcore. like current straight edge bands or yes or okay i just, i wanted to make sure you weren't asking top yes three not of not of all time like straight edge um, bands that people need to listen to now in addition to weapon x i think i think inclination um i'm biased i mean they're my friends <laughs> you know i've known all of those guys for a long time but I also, I also just genuinely adore that band. I love the things that they have to say. I love the music. Um, World of Pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking like that. That that's one of my favorite, just currently active bands in general. Um, and oh god, you've got me up. You've got me up against the wall here because again, there's just so many good straight edge bands. So I'm trying to be careful in i want to be nice and be like you can pick two but to keep to keep no, to the I'm, three I'm, x's i'm giving i'm, <laughs> I'm giving you give three, you three God, picks. i'm giving you three god damn it um yeah. oh this is so fucking hard i'm gonna give you um, for my third i'm gonna give you two bands that are kind of vying for that position um, oh okay so I'm, I'm giving you four and you're, if you don't like that, you're just going to have to like silence me for a uh, <laughs> part of this conversation when you put this podcast out in editing. Um, I think the other, actually, no, I'll give you, I'll give you the third and then I'll, okay. then I'll give you my honorable mentions that like could be, could take any one of those three slots at any given point. Number, oh, three, okay. is contention. Number three is contention. Contention um, is sick. I love that I band really so like much. That band. They do mm-hmm. they do that specific flavor of of hardcore so fucking well. And then my honorable mentions, which like again, if you ask me that question tomorrow, w- at least one of these two bands would be in that top three. But I really fucking love Point of Contact, and I really fucking love Field of Flames. Yes, great like honorable those- mentions as well. But again, we're just like, it's all, that's also, you know, three best three current straight edge bands. We're in a period where there's a lot of fucking really good straight edge bands. So like, right. It's a hard question to answer because <laughs> a lot of, a lot of the straight edge bands right now fucking kick ass. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. All, all great bands. Shout out to world of pleasure. The Western Canada rep straight up all those bands. That, e- that EP 
is uh god I, I, the the newer epf uh, world of pleasure and friends um i'm also really psyched that i got to be there for the first show i didn't realize going into the weekend that they just hadn't played at all yet yeah and um it was re- i really really liked that i got to play with them uh for their first show and then my second show you know it was really cool mm-hmm. yeah it, it it was wild i remember going up to jess and i was like you know that you stole the show from that oh weekend. easily that set was <laughs> fucking crazy yeah uh that set was insane i got absolutely demolished by the singer of apex predator during that set he fucking smoked my ass it's so funny you bring that up because earlier in the conversation when we were talking about um you know remembering people are, are human also listen blah, to blah, apex blah. predator also listen, yes um when i was standing on stage for that inclination set the only reason i was standing on that stage i was standing on the floor right at the front and again it's like do i am i gonna stage dive am i gonna do this stuff and the first note and Casey has been like stage diving and like all day out kids left and right. I yeah. saw him coming from stage left to my side. And I'm like, yep. I need to stage dive just so I don't have to, to avoid him. case to avoid. Yeah. So got on stage, got on stage, flipped, and then just jumped up to where you were and dodged Casey for the rest of that. And set, he's a so. dude. And he's a monster too. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's fucking He's jacked and like so i remember i, I don't know you and i combined yeah literally two. yeah literally like i i remember he he like i was covering my head i don't remember what world of pleasure song it was during but like it's covering my head and his hand slipped right between like where my arm was like right through here hit me on like the side of the head i kind of went down for a second i was like okay i'm not unconscious i'm not concussed right I'm good, but I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, that hurt. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was he was going the fuck off. That set was nuts. That yes. World of Pleasure set was insane. Um, I have one more topic before we head towards the the close, Dave. And um, you know, perusing through your Twitter, it was either hardcore related things, photos of cats, or <laughs> um, or Gundam uh, retweets, or just different things. So, oh yeah, I'm a little um. F- uh, un unknown to some of that world, but I wanted to bring it up because I have been on um, Transformers lore YouTube algorithm okay. right now. So, okay. and I also just watched the Pacific Rim movies. Um, so these are all like you know different versions of like giant mechanical, but they're like, all in orbit of each other. Yeah. Yes. So I wanted to create you know a situation because I don't want to punish everyone on like a 30 minutes of just Gundam talk unless listen, you're down for that. I, oh, I could. I Listen, I can make it happen if you want. Like, this is something that I could talk about all goddamn day. So, well, maybe maybe because we've already been talking about doing a second episode, which I definitely would like to do uh, in the future. Sick. But um, situation, there's a Gundam, Optimus Prime and in the, the main Pacific Rim uh, Titan. Or is it a Titan? Uh, they're the, the uh, they're the because I know a kaiju it. is the is the monster. Yeah, they. I don't remember what they call them in Pacific. Uh, Jaegers, I think. Jaegers, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, a Jaeger, Optimus, and uh, whoever the main Gundam is are walking to a bar. Um, who comes out alive? Talk me through the the <laughs> the scenario. So this is a bit of a tough one because um, God, and I'm getting into the weeds already here. <laughs> So this is a bit of a tough one because 
there is a main setting for Gundam, and then there are like alternate universe settings. Um, and there, so there's across those different things, there's not one standard definition of what defines what a Gundam is. And in fact, in the main in the main setting, it's actually pretty fucking nebulous. But and I'm biased here, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to run with that. Mm-hmm. I think the Jaeger goes down first because if you watch Pacific Rim, a Jaeger is obviously none of these things are believable, so to speak. But if you watch Pacific Rim, a Jaeger is probably fundamentally in terms of its capabilities the weakest of the three um it's I a totally military agree. i totally it's a, agree it's the most human of the of the yeah three. yeah it's it's a military machine similar and part of the reason that i love gundam is because the original series was kind of the progenitor of what was referred as what now is referred to as real robot um mm-hmm. whereas all of the giant robot anime stuff that came before gundam was very much super robot where the robots right. had super you know superpowers of some kind in gundam they were just military machines the same way that a tank or a fighter plane is it just happens to be a giant bipedal robot right um so the so fundamentally the jaeger goes down first just because capabilities wise i i don't think it stands a chance um where you start to get into the murky area of that is Optimus Prime versus a Gundam. I'm biased, and my my gut instinct says, even if we look at the original Gundam, the RX-78-2, that's the guy that walks out, because the whole, the whole reason that the Gundam was so fucking crazy in the context of the setting was that, one, it used a material for the armor that was relatively new at the point that was not impervious, but... but uh, there weren't many weapons at the time that could do anything to it. And then two, it was the first mobile suit in the setting to have a beam rifle, which essentially takes the firepower of like a space battleship and compresses it into a miniaturized weapon system that Mm. the Gundam can use. Yeah. So I think given that you have like battleship level firepower um, and a relatively like, uh, mobile platform. I think, and again, I'm biased. I think the Gundam is the one that walks out of this bar. But yeah. <laughs> by the same token, like Transformers, because they're, you know, they're almost kind of within the super robot realm of things. Um, I do think that there's, depending on what era and what Transformers stuff that you're into, there's probably an argument to be made by somebody who knows Transformers a little bit. I'm like, nominally familiar with a lot of transformer stuff just because if you're into mecha stuff you kind of you kind of know a little bit about all of it um so i'm sure that there is an argument to be made that optimus walks out of that bar no questions asked fundamentally though i think my answer is the gundam right and 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 yeah that's an interesting point as far as like the armor of, of a gundam versus and 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 i think it's important to establish like which is this a Michael Bay Optimus? Yeah. Is this a G1 uh, Optimus? Um, it, it's it's been interesting because if it, it was a Michael Bay Optimus, I think a Gundam would definitely tank it because yeah, like the Michael Bay adaptations of those movies, like 
you know, um, all the Decepticons or Autobots are getting arms and just they're just cut shredded. into shredded, shredded. shredded. Yeah. But if it was a little bit more like a G one or something from uh, any of the animated stuff, I think they're the the, the power the scaling evens up, are evens out a, a little bit more. Totally, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think I think that has been the one thing. Um, you know, when I was going through, I was like, damn, I, I need to, you know, educate myself a little bit more on the, uh, the lore of that. Um, because there's definitely like, it's been cool to see like how certain bands will travel to places like Japan or Tokyo. And it's like giant, like full size Gundams that you can take photos with. In Odaiba, um, there's a, there's a thing called Gundam base Tokyo where they have a one, one scale, uh, unicorn gundam Mm -hmm. and i i want to see it really really (laughs) really really badly there's actually a handful of one ones so there's the unicorn at gundam base they also Mm -hmm. did the they they built uh so before the unicorn was there they had a one one of the original gundam there um and then also for the olympics that they that tokyo hosted uh they built another one one scale rx 78 2 which is the original gundam and then in somewhere in china i don't remember where they have another one one scale and i think that is strike or strike freedom which is from a series that i don't fucking like um so which is why i don't remember it and then there's one more i want to say in hong kong and it's a variant of the new gundam uh, but there's like a handful of one, one scale Gundam mm. statues that they have up. Um, if, if someone myself included needs to yep. watch one Gundam show or, or series or, or movie or any kind of entertainment adaptation, what's the one to, to start going down that rabbit hole? So I think a really good one to start going down because it's a 40 year old franchise. There is a fucking lot of Gundam. There is so much. And like, I love it when people come to me and say, Hey, I want to check out Gundam. Where do I start? But I also hate it because then I have to be like, well, first you have to watch this. Then you have to watch this. And so the one that I go to, if I say, if you want a taste of what Gundam is like at a really high quality, that's relatively not, um, not a huge time sink. There is a 12-episode OVA that takes place during the same time frame as the original series. However, this came out in 95, 96, I think, um, mm-hmm. called Mobile Suit Gundam 08th MS Team. And it takes place during the same conflict that you see in the original series, but because it's much newer and because it's an OVA, a 12-episode OVA, it has a really high animation budget, so it looks great. Um it's it's relative it's its own relatively self-contained story so as long as you know the general context of the main gundam setting which is that there's a major war happening between the earth federation and uh a a faction of uh space noids that want independence you don't need anything else for it you don't need Mm -hmm. any additional context you don't need any additional things it's it's only 12 episodes and each episode's like 23 24 minutes so it's relatively short time commitment it looks gorgeous it has some of the best fights in the entire series and it's also like a perfect encapsulation of um that real robot genre um because it's very much grounded in reality there's a Mm -hmm. lot of it that is very very um 
it plays to its its genre really really well and it's available on a lot of different streaming platforms last i checked so so o8ms team is probably the easiest springboard alternatively let me give you another answer here um iron blooded orphans which is its own setting its own continuity does not take place in the main setting um is also a really good watch because again you don't need any additional context that one's a longer series it's technically it's two seasons about 50 episodes yeah and it's really fucking good yeah i think i i just googled that and that seems to be on netflix so i'm gonna it's great i'm gonna you know i have my homework the next time we do this podcast and you <laughs> have your too. homework as well <laughs> yeah i got i need to find the three intros yeah um but uh dave this has been such a uh, a good chat i have one more uh question for you before we wrap up officially Hit um, me. We end every episode, uh, every guest that comes on the show ends their interview with a favorite Mosh-related story. And that could be anything that's first through your head. That could be something that happened to you, something you did, something that happened at a show you were at, um, or playing. Whatever's the first to your dome is how we start to end the show. Okay. Um, oh, this is a tough one, because I have, I, I mean, I've been going to shows for a pretty long time. Yeah. Um I think my favorite, even though at the time it was awful, but looking back, it's so fucking great. So we used to have a venue here called the Chestnut House. Um, okay. The Chestnut House, is, and if you ask anybody from Louisville who's like my age or even just a little bit younger than me who went to the Chestnut House, that place was like, I mean, agnostic front. It, it was literally a house that Tyler, Alex, uh, Mo, like all of these people lived in. It was a punk house and it was just the living room of this punk house. So it wasn't a venue. It was a tiny fucking living room and like Agnostic Front played there. Foundation played there a couple of times. Wow. Zabalba played there. Like an abs- like just insane shows happened there all the fucking time. And I miss it a lot. Um, and I remember Downpressor, Downpressor was playing at the Chestnut House. And again, I mean, this is a tiny living room. And uh, there's a guy from Knoxville, Tennessee named Nick D. Great guy. Um, he is, when I say he's built like a gorilla, he is just short, stocky, like fucking like buff as shit. Um, terrifying fucking mosher. And I remember Downpressor starts playing. They're playing the Downpressor intro. Mm-hmm. And Tyler is moshing. And Nick D is moshing. And Nick D fucking smokes Tyler, just absolutely crushes him, like knocks him out instantly. Tyler stands up, tries to walk to the back and basically just goes like head first down (laughs) to like, like head first down. And like at the time, again, awful, terrifying to see, but like that's one of the craziest things I've ever seen at a show, at a show, just in terms of like moshing and things that have happened. I remember watching it happen and i was like oh my fucking god this is nuts like i've never seen i don't know if i i've only seen somebody get hit that hard moshing one other time right um and Poor that, tyler is like such dude, such a, a trooper when it comes to moshing he moshes for i have not seen someone of his age mosh for that many bands yeah. off of the very few instances that were like playing a show or at a, yeah, fest, he's an idiot. a similar fest. <laughs> yeah, he's an idiot. I so, love yeah, so I mean, committed. Um, yeah. but also unfortunately, a magnet, a punching a bag. Magnet for fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's okay. 
you brought up the this chestnut house. This is the first time I'm hearing from that, and I'm gonna put you on the spot. Please, chestnut ch- chestnut house or Spinelli's chestnut house. Okay. I, as much as much as I appreciate Spinelli's, and I I you know there were some fucking crazy ass shows there too. Chestnut House was like a. a There's very, more lore. It sounds like there. it was a very special, like a very special. I think I think um if you were to ask somebody younger than me that maybe went to both, they would maybe say Spinelli's. But like Chestnut House happened as a as a as a punk house and as a venue. It happened right around the same time that another mistake, uh, written off and damaged goods all kind of started and happened. And those were right. three at the time. Those were three big bands for all of us. Yeah. Um, this is know. pre-knocked days. Yeah, yeah, yes. mm-hmm. yeah. So. And and chess. And I think those all coincided with kind of the rise of like Chestnut House. And so that was like just a very specific special kind of time and place thing for louisville hardcore yeah oh okay well you know now i'm a little bit more educated on louisville hardcore on gundam on straight edge (laughs) on a lot of things um dave i would love to just keep rocking with you and you know we're we're past the point of two hours which i which shows that like the conversation of this podcast just has um taken taken its its way and just run with it and um yeah this has been a really really fun chat yeah, um, all of all of your links for your band and yourself will just be in the description and the youtube links cool. if there's anything you want to shout out anything you want to plug or anything you want to send the people off with the floor is yours okay i appreciate it uh go see knock loose on tour with bring me the horizon um that's still going on for the next few weeks i think the next three or four weeks uh listen to gates to hell two witnesses i'm no i'm gonna forget bands just go listen to the go listen to the ldv 502 com and then listen to all of those bands and then check all of the louisville bands in the links for in the you know related to for them and listen to those bands too right um gates the hell just put out an lp uh listen to that they put out a music video where they kill me so if you hate me <laughs> you can you can watch me get murdered um yeah, shout outs Louisville Hardcore. Shout outs mm-hmm. Western Canada Hardcore too. Yeah, I I love the uh, the, the established and ongoing connection between our two scenes. It's um, fucking awesome. It's very sick, and uh, you know this has been a pleasure ch- chatting with you, Dave. Um, I'm looking forward to probably the next time that we get to cross paths might be LDB 2023. Come come um, on out, and uh, yeah, I uh, I'm looking forward to the next time we get to hang out and. Uh, hopefully by then I'll have more Gundam things to to ask you, and I'll be I more educated lo- going forward. I would love that, dude. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a blast. <laughs>